Hi, this is Jackie Phillips. Hi, this is Steve Romaine. Welcome to Reset. On Power 91.1 FM WTYJ. Reset because you, you deserve it. Reset. I'm so excited. Today we have an amazing guest, Dr. Sheila Pearl. And we're going to be talking all about love, relationships, her book series. This is her first one, Ageless and Sexy. And it's The Magic of Sensuality, A Love Story. This is out now. And her new book that's coming soon, The Magic of Big Love. Welcome. You Thank know what you, you forgot to mention, right? What? She's the love doctor. She's the love She's doctor. The love doctor. The love doctor is in the house. The love doctor <laughs> is in the house. <laughs> Let's start repairing the broken heart. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a plan. <laughs> And this is why I wore red. <laughs> In honor for Sheila. <laughs> I decided to be a contrast. You know, different colors of blue. Blue looks sparkles. beautiful on you. <laughs> so, congratulations. This is amazing. Thank you. This is a beautiful book. I can say I'm a bestseller on Amazon. I had my moment in the sun. That's you know. great. That's <laughs> great. Congratulations. That's, That's a big deal. deal. We do that a lot. We say the same thing yeah. a lot. Yeah, but it's in the category of sexual health and the category of midlife management. That's so important these days. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Wow. So, so yeah. what provoked you to write this book? My life? Really? Yeah, I started by writing one book that's turned into 12. Oh, wow. So that's why this is a series. Because you can't write about all the things you have to say mm -hmm. if you've been around more than 60 or 70 years. Mm -hmm. You can't put it all in one book, and you really don't want to put it all in one book. No. And, uh, and then I changed the voice of the book and the style of the book, and I decided to write it like a novel. Mm -hmm. And every little chapter begins with a dialogue of Stella and me, mm -hmm. as I do believe all of life is a conversation yes. with yourself. Yes. So Stella is you. Stella is me. Stella is you. Stella is you. Stella is yeah. everyone. Right? Yes. Stella is every woman, if you will, you know, you know the old classic, every man. But Stella is a, a um, represents everyone mm -hmm. in one way or another. So in the dialogue between Stella and me, me could be me, me could be you, mm -hmm. me could be your higher self, me could be your therapist, mm -hmm. me could be your best friend. Mm -hmm. But the point is we're always having conversations with others and ourselves, yes. right? Mm -hmm. And... Uh, one of the most important relationships that we need to have is the relationship we have with ourselves. Mm -hmm. I would say it's the most important, and I think until recently people didn't get that. They, you know, the people thought that was being conceited or selfish or self-absorbed. Mm -hmm. But the, the point is, if, if I don't love me, if you don't love you, how can you give of yourself to someone else effectively, mm -hmm. right? And what makes a loving relationship so yummy, so delicious, is when you're with someone, not because you feel you need them or you have to have them, or you have a sense of desperation, but you really want to share. Mm -hmm. And it's a full, full heartfelt sharing, mm -hmm. right? So that I'm not looking over my shoulder wondering if he or she is approving of me, mm -hmm. but I'm looking in your eyes mm -hmm. saying, I really want to know you, yes. and I'm not preoccupied by wondering what are you thinking of me, right? Right. right. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And looking into the eyes is critical. You know, I mm -hmm. talk about that a lot because people look at you, but they don't see you. 
That's mm -hmm. right. And in a relationship, you need to see the person you're with. You need to be present to that person. Yes. Can you speak more about that? I would say the, I would say the first uh, important ingredient in any relationship, loving relationship, business relationship, partnership in any particular way, is, is being fully present. Mm -hmm. When I can be fully present to you, and I'm only there for you. I'm not thinking about what I'm going to say. I'm, I'm, I'm really listening. Now we have what I call a divine flow of energy. And now we can really get into engagement, right? So being present means I'm right here, right now. I'm not off somewhere else. I'm not looking at my watch or my phone. I'm here. And in being here, it's a reminder. That's the only thing I can do anything about mm -hmm. is right now. Right here now. Because yes. the only thing that's real is this moment. Mm -hmm. The one that just passed is gone. Mm -hmm. The one that's over there isn't here yet. So the only <laughs> thing I have any the only thing I have anything to say about is right now. Yes. Right? Yes. So how present I am mm -hmm. gives me the quality of connection. Mm -hmm. And it's that simple. Wow. What are some tips for our audience to stay present? Because that's the hardest thing. You know, we're always very preoccupied with our thoughts or what we have to do or where we're going, like you said, your phone or the time or whatever. Yeah, well, okay. So, for instance, one of the rules of meditation or one of the practices that we can engage with with meditation is to, you know, breathe deeply and, and uh, notice your breath and, mm -hmm. you know, look at a flickering candle or notice something over there on the wall or just really focus on that and remind yourself that whatever you're focusing on will expand, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And if I can remind myself <clears throat> that being present to you is of paramount importance in the quality of my connection, and it's, it's a, but it is a practice. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, someone could say, you know, are, are you there? Because they notice your, your, your eyes are wandering, right? Yeah. So it's like being really focused on your eyes, yes. really focusing on your voice, focusing on, on your face, so that I'm totally present and focused on you. And it's, and it's an exercise of what we call mindfulness, mm -hmm. right? So for instance, mindful eating would be to look at the plate in front of you and notice all of the colors and the textures and just notice the food and pay, just pay full attention to the food and, and then as you're beginning to just lift the fork and you smell the food and, a deeper sense and of appreciation. it's a deeper sense of appreciation mm -hmm. because you're being present to every aspect. That's what the sensuality is about, mm -hmm. by the way, when I, I talk about the magic of sensuality, all of our senses. Mm -hmm. And if I could be present to all of my senses, what I see, what I touch, what I smell, what I hear, what I, what I, all of those senses, it allows me to be present to you with my intuition, because that's the sixth sense, right. right? Right. So if I keep all the other channels open with being present to all of my five senses, and then allow my, my channels to be open to you with my intuition, now we now we're cooking. Now we're really cooking. Now we're really cooking. Yeah. Right? The love doctor is speaking. Yes. Oh my god. And <laughs> I would think that having your sixth sense open is gonna protect you as well. Because say you're on that first date and you're really present 
and you're noticing things, you're gonna see red flags if they're there, or you're gonna see the chance to take a chance on this new experience. Exactly. Uh, by the way, I, <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't uh, lie about my age, except on OkCupid. <laughs> so I shaved five years off, but I just turned 75. Congratulations. Okay. Congratulations. And Happy birthday. Thank you so much. Okay. So, uh, the, 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 the exercise and the experience, hello there. Hello. The, the, the experience of dating is an exercise in mindfulness, truly, right? And if, if for, some of, for some of us who may have been married 30, 40 years, and now we're out there in the dating world, yes. it's like a jungle out there, right? Yes. And so, you know, I treat every person that I meet as an opportunity to get to know more about them and myself. So I notice how I'm experiencing myself with that person, but I'm practicing being present to that person so that I can get the most out of the connection. So I'm paying attention, right? And by keeping all the channels open, mm -hmm. then I allow my intuition to, to kick in. So my, my little voice will say, I don't think so, yes. right? Or my little voice might say, don't go there. Yes. Right? And that's happened before, where my body was saying, oh, yes, let's go. Right? Yes. And my little voice was saying, uh-uh. And I would listen to that, and I later found out why. Why? Yes, sure. I want to know why. Right? Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Because then you found out they were no good for you. Exactly. Or... Yeah, but you see... There's one part of my body that may be uh, ahead of my intuition. Yes. <laughs> I think that happens to a lot of people. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I had an experience with a client this week who had had about 40 years of experience of, of, of noticing that one part of his body was always ahead of everything yes. else, right? <laughs> but, but it always seemed to get in the way because, you know, three marriages and divorces later, he had come to me to try to figure out, well, what am, what's not working here? I, I really do want to have a partnership. I really do want to have fulfillment. And, and how am I getting in my own way? Mm -hmm. I said, well, I think because everything below the west, uh, the, the waist is leading the parade. And uh, I, I want you to allow for your heart to lead the parade and for your intuition to, to lead the parade. So I said, I want to suggest that the next time you meet someone that really captivates you, I want you to practice abstaining from allowing your crotch to, you know, to, to name, the, to, to name the, uh, the agenda for the day or the evening. And to really make it a point to enjoy getting to know this person. And so he did. He met someone that really captivated him. So he practiced what we've been working on. And he came in, you know, after having discovered that this was a wonderful experience, he came bouncing in like a, like a six-year-old kid. You know, he, says, he says, this is, this is really great. Um, I, I actually said no. She wanted to jump my bones. And, yeah. and, uh, and I said no. I said, well, good for you. He said, so uh, we have another date tonight, and, and I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to follow my heart. I said, follow your heart. Really listen. So his little voice said, okay, now's the time. And they made delicious love, 
that it was the right time for both of them. And he was terrified. He was terrified that in the morning he'd wake up and he wouldn't feel that special feeling for her. That's what he, he wanted to make sure he wasn't gonna mess that up. So when she went off and he got up and he was thinking about the day, he went back to the pillow and smelled her perfume on the pillow. And he realized, he has this warm feeling in his heart. He said, I could hardly wait to see her again. Wow. And he called me to say, it's real. I want to see her again. I'm so happy. Wow. So this is, you know, this is, this is a good thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah. We're, we're, we're off on a good start. Absolutely. You know, you have so much wisdom and so much knowledge. How did you acquire it? Were you always the love doctor or were you like? No. Talk about reset. Yes. Yes. I think I'm in career number eight. <laughs> Tell us. I began as a secondary high school teacher, but I had the dream to be an opera singer. So I came to New York City to pursue my career in grand opera. But I discovered I wanted to be a great singer, but I didn't like the life of the opera singer. Mm -hmm. And I didn't like being around all the big egos. No, I love singing. Are I'm you going to sing first a little bit? not quite the same. Anyway, so, so I... See you later, see you later. <laughs> you know She's in the middle of her reset, sorry. <laughs> you know me. Anyway, I... I, I, I took a little left turn from being an opera singer. I met uh, my husband, who was a rabbi, and uh, being an opera singer, married to a rabbi, wasn't working too well anyway. So was I went. For, for him, it was. For me, it wasn't. It took a while. How long did it take you? Two yeah. weeks. <laughs> but he was very patient and very smart. He led from the heart and he was really very uh, mindful and he captivated me after a couple of weeks. But <laughs> wow. At first I wanted absolutely nothing to do with him. Interesting. He was a very sexy guy. <laughs> uh, and I ended up seducing him. You did. He, he was very smart. He said, you don't have to do anything you don't want, want to, to do. do. Right? Yeah. So he waited for me That's right. to be ready. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so it was a 32 year marriage, so you know. That's, that's, yeah. wow. that's beautiful. Congratulations. So, when I realized that being an opera singer was not going to happen, and uh, having children with my husband, that's another long story, but uh, we uh, originally wanted to have children, and his teenagers came to live with us. Mm -hmm. So, that was not part of the plan, but it happened, and so I needed to kind of Retool. I had to reset. So I went back to graduate school and I got my master's in clinical social work because I wanted to be a nurturer. Mm -hmm. When I was seven years old, my mother asked me, So, honey, what do you want to be when you grow up? I said, I want to be just like you. I want to be a mom and a singer. Wow. So if I wasn't going to be a singer, then I want to be a mom. Mm -hmm. So if I wasn't going to be a mom, then I wanted to be a nurturer. So that's how and why I went back to graduate school. In graduate school, I discovered I couldn't live without singing. I went into a deep depression. So reset again, 
I found a way to become a cantor. I kind of learned on the job. My husband, who was a rabbi, and his former cantor trained me. I got a great job in, in Franklin Lakes, New Jersey, as a matter of fact. And I had a dream job for 13 years. Oh, wow. I was a spiritual leader. I got paid to sing great music. Wow. I, I got paid to, to form choirs and orchestras wow. and teach kids and, awesome. and do all the things I really wanted to do and use my social work skills. Well, people came to my office for counseling. Yeah. And I had a private practice at home. So then reset. I, I retired from being a cantor and I opened my doors to being the love doctor. Wow. In the meantime, I got training with two institutes for coaching, including Neil Donald Walsh's Conversations with God, mm -hmm. uh, spiritual coaching training. Oh, I love them. And um, I've been the love doctor for the past 13 years. And so who do you see as the love doctor? you see singles, you see couples? I see both. I see a lot of couples. Uh, very often I'm in my office till late at night with couples. Sometimes my weekends are the busiest time because mm -hmm. they can't see me during the week. Yeah. And like today, however, I see individuals who are really wrestling with finding a way to love themselves. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. and, and the issue of loving oneself is a daunting task. Because the question is, how do you do that when you have no context for self-love? When, you when you're coming from a childhood in which you've been abused and, and dismissed and, and overlooked and, and treated as if you're a, a piece of mm -hmm. garbage, how do you find that place of mm -hmm. self-love? Well, then I become a mentor and a spiritual teacher. And, and I actually reparent people. So a lot of people come to me and they'll look at me and they say, I feel like you're my mom. Oh, well, you see, the universe did not allow me to have children in a, a traditional sort of way. Uh, I did have a child long ago who lived eight months. So I had the experience of giving birth oh. and, a, and a sweet little girl who called me mommy and she she was taken, she had a heart um, so sorry. disease. I'm so sorry. So I had an opportunity to experience being a mom very briefly. It carved me out. It's often said when your heart breaks, it opens up. So when my heart broke and it broke open, just like Elizabeth Lesser says. When, when life knocks you down and, and breaks your heart, it gives you a chance to open your heart and to grow. Mm -hmm. And so I grew with that into finding ways to be a nurturer to people because I needed to use that nurturing part of me, right? And uh, so a lot of people come to me and say, will you be my mom? Reset. I'm moving in a few months out of my apartment into a house with a family because they want me to be their mom and their grandmother. Oh, really? Really. I don't want to live alone anymore. So I'm resetting and I'm leaving my condo and I'm moving into a house with a family where wow. they have invited me to wow. be their honorary mother and grandmother. Wow, well, you know what they so say, beautiful. go where you're celebrated, right? So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. Absolutely. Is it near where you live? Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. So it'll be just... Yeah. We haven't found the house yet. This is a new plan as of two weeks ago. Wow. It's, it's, beautiful. A, it's a whole new thing. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, we're all resetting our lives in many different ways, right? Yeah. And um, 
you know, my next book, which is the, the Magic of Big Love, which is also a, a part of my life education system, uh, is, is another part, it, it's the next book in the series, right? So I'm constantly resetting, because I'm constantly working on the next book, mm -hmm. right? So I have to live at least long enough to get the, the, whole, the whole series done. Of course. <laughs> so it's going to take me easily till I'm 105. <laughs> well, you are very youthful. And so. I have to take care of my body. Yeah. Right? I have to take care of my health. Yes. So I really watch what I eat, and I, I take care of my, my exercises and my fitness. Mm -hmm. And... Um, I don't get to the gym as much as I would like to, and I'd love to be slim and trim like you. Oh, but, you know, but I, I but I'm You're healthy. Beautiful. I'm, I'm healthy. I'm happy. I, I have energy. You know, my I, my body's yeah. happy, right? So wise. As long as your body's happy, that's all that matters. Yeah, I I begin every day with my green drink, with my you know phytonutrients. My body says thank you, thank you, thank you for mm -hmm. taking good care of me, and I have a minimum of. Crap. <laughs> Every now and then, you know, um, and uh, you know, but I, I'm mindful. I'm mm -hmm. mindful of how important it is to take care of my wellness of my body. Mm -hmm. Reset. There is a phenomenon going on in relationships now that people need to reset. Mm -hmm. The role of a man in a relationship and the role of a woman is being redefined. Mm -hmm. Can you speak to that? Yes, I call it the opportunity now for the awakened man. Mm. Oh. The opportunity now for the awakened man to be liberated from the lies that he's been taught for centuries. That, that he's not supposed to feel the way a woman does. That he's not supposed to cry like a woman does. That he's not supposed to be open-hearted and soft and nurturing like a woman. The fact of the matter is, a man is wired for nurturing. Where does the word husband come from? Husband is, is a, it's a nurturing act to husband plants, to husband a garden, to husband a woman, is to assist her in blossoming. When a man can see that his job is to be the giver, because the woman is designed to be the receiver, he now sees his role as being central to the woman blossoming in every way. Blossoming in her career, blossoming in herself, so that no longer is the man afraid of the woman blossoming, which is, used to be the case, where the, the man wanted to keep the woman down, keep the woman at home, keep the woman barefoot and pregnant, all that bullshit, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. you know? And now, the man, if he understands how he's really wired, his opportunity is to be the catalyst for the woman to be her magnificent self, to be truly the one who blossoms her by the mm -hmm. way he's the lover. And most men don't know how to be a lover. I'm starting a course soon in teaching men more about how to be a lover. I can't tell you how many times I hear from women that men don't know how to kiss, they don't know how they don't know what foreplay is, they don't know how to bring a woman to arousal and to experience the pleasure of, of experiencing her pleasure, where many men somehow learned from their guy friends long ago that it was all about them. Or worse, they learned from porn. 
or they weren't they learned from yeah. art, that, which is a, a, a very unhealthy way mm -hmm. to learn about our sexuality. Right. But when a man can feel the pleasure and experience the pleasure of his woman's pleasure and take time with that, there is no greater joy that for either the them. man or the woman can have. Yeah, for right? both of them. For both of them. Absolutely. Right? I mean, that's why the tantric experience is so Ah, it's part I, part of what I teach. Yes. Right? Well I could I could tell by the presence and the breathing yes. and the connection of my Yes. Right, right. Yeah. So to have this heart connection, which is taught in Tantra, mm -hmm. to have this heart connection, to the be able to, to have mm -hmm. this connection of, uh, in Tantra, you are actually required to keep your eyes open and to, mm -hmm. to keep that eye connection, mm -hmm. right? And to breathe deeply. And I, by the way, I have a chapter in my book on my, my first Tantra experience, which I engineered. And I taught my lover mm -hmm. what to do. He was blown away, blown away, and it changed everything. Absolutely, right? So there's so much that a man is is. But when a man knows cheating. how to take the lead, when he knows and how bring to bring that experience yes. to a woman, then he's really masculine, and he's in his masculine energy, and she can appreciate him at a different level. Yes, yes. What are some tips that you would give a man? Sure, he has. Well, <laughs> Just say it. Okay, first of all, if they were listening, first of all, I know that, but in, in case they were, okay, first of all, be present. First of all, take your, your time. time. Kissing is really important, and please, guys, don't bring out the tongue right away. Mm -hmm. well, seriously, you're right. I, I don't know what guys, guys think. There's something sexy about that. It's not. What's sexy are those little nibble kisses. What's sexy is the tenderness that you put into just tasting your beloved's lips. Taking time to notice, being mindful of every little moment together. Paying attention to the texture of her face and her neck and Touch. Just touch, to be sensual with your touch, to enjoy to the explore. little things, to explore the discovery. Oh my God, there's so much to discover. Mm -hmm. I mean, our women's anatomy is the best kept secret. What, what is that song? Your body's a wonderland? Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but there's so much to be discovered mm -hmm. for both. Take your time. That's the beauty of Tantra, by the way. Yes. And in Tantra, the focus is not on the climax mm -hmm. or the orgasm. It's on the excitement phase. It's on the arousal. It's on the pleasure. It's on mindfulness. It's, you know, moving in and out of the various ups and downs of, of the, the waves of, of passion and delight. Mm -hmm. And it's like a, a seven-course meal. It's not like going to... McDonald's no, no, not, not at all. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no, pack your bags. It's going to take a while. <laughs> you run marathons? <laughs> I do. <laughs> wow, beautiful. That Excellent beautiful. explanation, too. Mm -hmm. Wow. You know, just so many things, you know, as a relationship coach. Communication. 
you know, I work with husbands and wives, and sometimes they miss each other. Mm -hmm. When you talk about communication and the value of communication in a relationship, these tantric, all this stuff that we're talking about comes mm -hmm. down to how we're communicating. We're just communicating in different ways. I think people have two different communications sometimes. They're, they're having two different, completely conversations, and they're not understanding why. Not taking the time. Yeah. Well, uh, there are many uh, challenges in communication because I often talk about the different love languages, right? Mm -hmm. and, and when we understand that we do speak different languages in many ways, we do relate and connect in different ways depending on you know, what really moves us and motivates us, right? Some people like to hear the words, some people need the touch, some people need to have the acts of service in the various uh, aspects of love languages. So, and then we get back down to the essence of being present with listening. Mm -hmm. So if I can be present with listening, and really listening, as I said before, not with being preoccupied with what am I going to say in, in reaction to what mm -hmm. you're saying, how am I going to defend myself, right. but rather to be willing to lean into the conversation and really listen. If, if my partner is complaining about something or says, you know, this really bothers me or I'm really upset about that, rather than my saying, well, you, you, you shouldn't be so upset or, or why are you so angry, you know, which is a typical kind of reaction. I'm sorry you're upset, tell me more. Mm -hmm. To be willing to hear what the other person says because what really cre creates open communication is what? Being willing to be vulnerable. Vulnerable. Because vul yeah, vulnerable, I got the big V, right? Vulnerability is the key to intimacy. Mm -hmm. And the moment we think that we're going to protect ourselves from being hurt by putting up the walls and the barriers and having the slings and the arrows, right. we're working at cross purposes yeah. with ourselves. Mm -hmm. I mean, what are we going to lose by being willing to be vulnerable? Really. We're afraid of being disappointed. Well, that's a risk I might take. Mm -hmm. But if you don't take the risk of being disappointed, you're not going to have the pleasure of being connected. I love that. Right? Yeah, If we're not willing to risk being disappointed, we're not going to have the possibility of having the closeness and the connection. Right? Yes. Yeah. Wow. Because that's what we want. We want intimacy. We want connection. And so many people, I'm going to say this. So many people think sex is intimacy. No, it's, it's not. not. Sometimes it's, not. it's the anti-intimacy it's the, it's the anti maneuver, yes. right? Uh, very often people use sex as a way of creating distance. They use it to, to, uh, as, a as a weapon, right? So sex is like money. You can use it in many different ways. It's just currency and it's energy. But intimacy, real intimacy, is into me see, being willing for me to see into me, my wanting to see into you, for me to be willing to have you see me, I have to be willing to be vulnerable for you to see me. Yeah, I have to be like myself a lot if I'm willing to have you see me. And it means I like myself with all of my imperfections. Mm -hmm. Meaning, mm -hmm. I'm perfectly imperfect. If I have the illusion that I can only be loved if and when I'm perfect, there's never going to be that day. No. Because there's no such thing. No. 
So I got lots of perfect imperfections. I got lots of nooks and crannies that, you know, are weird, <laughs> right? But I, I, I want to share that with you because it's important that you love that part of me. That's more important, I think. It's more important that you yeah. love that part of you. Yeah. I want you to love the weird part. Yeah. It's easy to love the yummy part, mm -hmm. but I want you to love the weird mm -hmm. part. Because right? the weird part can be the intoxicating part. Mm -hmm. and that, yeah. and that's true. actually true. Yeah. Right? True. Yeah. yeah. So uh, part of what I, I, I write about in my book and the things I talk about is, you know, navigating the affinities and the polarities. You know, it's real easy to, to, to deal with the affinities. Those are the things that we, we feel connected about, the, the, the commonalities mm -hmm. and the feel-good stuff, right? so easy to navigate the polarities, the things that are different, the things that are poking me, the things that are, you know, uh, uh, what's the word? Things I about myself that I don't like that I see in you. That's right. Mm -hmm. And those are the triggers, yeah, right? Mirror. Those are the triggers. The mirror. Yeah. The mirrors. That's right. We are mirrors <clears throat> for each other. We are. Yes. And so if I love who I am with all my perfect imperfections, I'm going to more likely love you for who you are, too. Yes. Because you are me and I am you. So if I love me with all my nicks and crannies, I'm going to find you fascinating because I, I love that, right? I'm not going to be busy judging that right. because I'm not inadvertently judging myself. And I accept you. You accept mm -hmm. me. Because yes. you accept sure. yourself. Yeah. Now, what is your advice on people that have been hurt so many times? And they have this spiritual weight on them. You know, it's like, this one hurt me, this one hurt me, this one hurt me. It's hard to open when that's happened. Okay, so the first portal, uh, the, my, four, my four portals to big love. Mm -hmm. The first portal is what I call wonderment. And wonderment is to recognize that we are in a state of oneness with source as we come into our bodies and our lives. That everything that is going on in our lives has a bigger picture. And that who you are in your life is perfectly imperfect all the time. And that we're part of something bigger. So there's a oneness to life. Mm -hmm. And so I like to say life's always happening for us, not to us. Yes, right? I agree. It's always happening for us, not to us. And that the universe has my back. So if I come from that perspective of oneness and wonderment, wondering what's next in my life, wondering what this was about, not so much that you know this happened for a reason, but this happened, so what reason am I going to give it? What is it there to teach me? What's it there to teach me? How is this going to open me up? Because I always have a choice in either opening up or shutting down. That's always my choice. Yes. And, and so my choice is either to go towards love which is expansion, or fear, which is contraction, mm -hmm. right? So the uh, whole idea of oneness and wonderment is that first portal. So if I can buy and agree to the idea that I'm perfectly imperfect and that everything in my life is happening for me, including all those people that hurt me, mm -hmm. all those people that, that just dump shit all over me, right? Well, what was the benefit of that? How could I make that a blessing? that that person and that person and that person, I finally figured out they treated me the way they did, not because of me. They defined themselves. Mm, they defined themselves, not me. Mm -hmm. So when my father turned his back on me, 
It took me a long time to figure out and to accept that his treatment of me had nothing to do with me. So that he defined himself. So that when he was on his deathbed at 44, and I was 23, and I went to his deathbed and he said, please forgive me. I said, sure, Daddy, I forgive you. But inside I said, no. It took a long time. It took a long time for me to really forgive that kind of dismissal and abandonment, mm -hmm. whatever, to the point where I finally realized my father's treatment of my brother and me obviously had nothing to do with us because he didn't even know us. Mm -hmm. He defined his own incapacity. He defined his own wrestling with his own demons, whatever that was about. Likewise, when we have experiences in our lives where friends and partners and lovers and spouses have hurt us and disappointed us and abused us, they've defined themselves not us. Mm -hmm. And if we can rise up out of that, just like the phoenix from the ashes, and discover our own magnificence in the midst of that, have discovered that we can come out of that with courage and resilience, I can say to that person who treated me like shit, thank you. I bless you. Mm -hmm. Neil Donald Walsh has a story about the little soul of the sun. The little soul of the sun comes to earth to learn forgiveness. And one of the older souls comes to earth and has a contract with the little soul and says, okay, I'm coming to help you because you're going to have to have someone to forgive. Mm. So I want you to remember who I really am when I do something that you have to forgive. Oh. Right? So it's kind of an oversimplification. It's a sweet story. It takes a little bit longer. No, it's awesome. heartbreaking. But it's a reminder yeah. that the people who come into our lives who are the source of pain and, 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 and angst and, and, and adversity, whatever that is, perhaps they've come as a form of angel we don't recognize mm -hmm. to help us learn something about ourselves, whether it's learning how to forgive, learning how to be courageous. Learning how to leave a situation that I thought I couldn't leave because I, I believed that I couldn't stand on my own, that I had to stay with an intolerable situation because I was afraid I couldn't make a living. But my mother, for instance, left an intolerable situation. And she discovered she could work at Penny's or Sears for, you know, a few dollars. Yeah. But she, she was able to do it. Right. This made me just think that maybe a really I'm simplifying, of course, but a great way of healing would be to label that person instead of like my lousy ex-husband or my cheating boyfriend, it could be, you know, forgiveness. Like that person is labeled forgiveness. That person is labeled courage. So you bless the person with the lesson you learn from them and you label them like that. Right. That probably would like exactly. speed up your healing a lot. Absolutely. You know saying, no man is my and I'm every man's yes. teacher. Yes, exactly. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. And that's true. Now, that doesn't mean you have to live with the abuser. No, no. But if, no. You can, if you can understand that the abuser came into your life to assist you in learning something about yourself, sometimes it was just to find the courage to walk away. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right? Yes. Which is a big deal. It's a very big very deal. Important. A lot very, important. Important. very important. Very important. To learn to say no. Yeah. Let's talk to about to say that. say no. Yeah. Oh my gosh. 
you know, in our journey, it, it's, it's easy sometimes to say yes to everything. Well, if you say yes to everything, then nothing has dimension, right? Mm -hmm. And so one of the greatest challenges for all of us is to learn to say no. Say no to the abuser. Say no to uh, having sex too early in, in a relationship. Say, say no to uh, eating things that you know are going to hurt your body, that, that kind of thing. So uh, it's really important to learn when to say no and to listen to Sheila, I think um, one of the things that I have learned that is hard for me is to say no. I tend to say yes a lot to things and then I regret right. you know, saying yes. And I know that you talk about that a lot with relationships, so it's yes. important to say, learn to say no and not say yes all the time. Do you want to expand on yes. that? Uh, let me begin by saying, I think it's really important to learn the value of saying yes to life. Right? Mm -hmm. Saying yes to your possibilities, yes to your greatness and, and, and your potential and all of that. So having said that, it's really important to also be willing to say no to yourself and to someone else when something doesn't seem right or feel right. Or say no as a, as, as a general rule. Uh, with something that's new and, and uncharted territory so that you are being cautious but not stopping yourself, right? So, for instance, uh, I think I mentioned this uh, client of mine who had been married and divorced three times mm -hmm. and he came to me and he wanted to, you know, he didn't want to keep stepping in, those, in the same uh, puddle of doo-doo or whatever. Mm -hmm. And he, he wanted to, you know, find a way to find the right partner and to make it work for himself. And so my guidance to him was, listen to your heart and don't say, you know, don't say yes right away. Be willing to say no to your yourself and perhaps the other person, recognizing how many women are very, you know, enthusiastic, <laughs> yes. to say the least, that, you know, may want to, uh, you know, get to it, as it were. Progress um, the relationship. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> to progress the relationship, like, you know, right fresh out of the gate. Right? So, uh, and, and I've learned that it's really important for me as a woman to say no for my sake, but for a man, and this particular man, it was transformational for him to actually practice saying no when it was his habit to say yes, yes. you know, all the time. It was like a, a sexual predator. Um, and, uh, and I say that lovingly. In other words, he just, you know, go for it and, and didn't really think about it. And yet, he wanted to give himself the opportunity to experience the real connection that was possible with this woman and he knew that he had to say no to one part of him so he could say yes to the other part. So it's, it's also recognizing we're multidimensional, right? Mm -hmm. We're not monolithic. And so there was maybe one part of us that may want to say yes and to recognize that there's another part that I need to listen to as much or maybe even more, which is allowing balance, right? So if I can allow myself to say no so that I can allow for balance, then, I, then the yes is even bigger when it's yes. Because it means something. If I say yes to everything, there's no dimension. It doesn't mean anything, right? So this man 
discovered the value of saying no until there was another part of him that said, okay, I think we're balanced now. I, I think we have the connection that you've really been looking for. So now let's have the full Monty. So now let's say yes. But it's saying yes with more knowledge, with more experience, with more connection, with more real closeness. So that you're not saying yes to sex, you're saying yes to love. And the possibility of it. And the possibility. So by saying no in the first place, you're saying yes to the possibility. You're, you're opening the space for that by, by saying no at this point in time so that you can say yes to something bigger. Yeah. That's beautiful. In my workshops, I talk a lot about the fairy tale that people bring to relationships and how the fairy tale impacts their reality of what's really happening. Mm -hmm. Can you speak to that? Can you address that at all? Well, tell, tell me what you mean by fairy tale. I mean, uh, we all have an idea of the fairy tale. So, so give me a picture of the, of the so fairy tale. So, the, the, the uh, Prince Charming, the White Knight, you know, coming to your rescue, you know, that, that thing. Mm -hmm. You know, that we kind of grow up with this thing, mm -hmm. we hear it, we see it, we then think we're going to experience something like that and live happily ever after, so to speak. The fairy tale comes from something we believed was true in a, in a fantasy sort of thing. Or the fairy tale might come from something we might have experienced in one way or another earlier in our lives, so we want to repeat it, right? That's the danger. Mm -hmm. The danger is in believing or having a specific idea about something. Uh, and, and this goes to what I, my first rule of effective engagement is expect zero. If I expect zero and allow for all possibilities, then I'm not going to be caught in a trap of the, of the fairy tale. Because the fairy tale has a specific scenario and a specific expectation. But if I can say, I don't know what the possibilities are, but I know I have infinite possibilities, but I'm not going to lock myself in with telling myself a specific story here, all of which is, you know, somebody else's story, something I uh, read in a book, or maybe something I experienced previously in my life, but that was unique to them. And that story over there is unique to somebody else. And Cinderella and Prince Charming, that's another story which isn't real for me. It may be real for somebody else, but I want to create my own story. So I'm going to expect zero, and I'm going to allow for all possibilities. That means that I might actually experience what I thought the fairy tale might be, but it might not be that script, right? The fairy tale has to do with a preconceived idea, which goes into writing a script in advance. And I want to say, write your script as you're going. That's what being present is about, right? So that I pay attention to the quality of my connection, but I'm not making up a story about where it's going to go. The fifth uh, rule that I have in my five rules to effective connection and intimacy is the fifth one is or was it is it drop drop the roadmap the ditch so ditch the roadmap ditch the roadmap. In other words, in loving in intimate relationships that you're still formulating, 
You don't want to get locked into being uh, having a specific road map that you're going to go on before you're even, you know, on the way. Let the let the journey go where it naturally wants to go, and, and that's where I would I would take you in terms of the of the fantasy of the fairy tale, right? Because the fairy tale has a particular road map. A road map has a particular scenario. Why why should you be willing to to live with uncertainty and magic and and be fascinated with the possibilities without having yourself locked into this script over here, right? Because what if you don't go according to that script? Now you're going to be disappointed. If you don't have a script, if you have zero expectation, you're constantly surprised, right? Like this guy who's now discovered this woman, he's just excited about discovering everything. He doesn't have a script. He's just saying, I'm looking forward to whatever's next. Which is a beautiful thing. Beautiful thing yeah. You can mm -hmm. stay in that place of that childlike state of wonder, mm -hmm. that wonderment, right? Yeah. It's beautiful. <laughs> so, what would be three tips for somebody who's going through something in a relationship and they need to reset the relationship? Depends on what kind of relationship and how long this relationship has been moving. Forward, okay. Let's uh, let's understand that that every long-term relationship goes through certain stages. We have the, the euphoric stage. It could be six months. It could be two years, right? And that's driven by hormones and imagination and the newness of everything. And you haven't really, you know, discovered some of the what I call the polarities inside mm -hmm. of the relationship yet because you're you're in this state of wonderment and, and euphoria. And it's a beautiful thing. I, I call that the first cause or the, the ignition of the relationship. That's what gives it the oomph, it gets it, gets it the spark. That's what gets it going. You know, you, you, know, you, 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 get, you get going uh, with, with gas. Yeah. <laughs> and so then, then you have another stage, which is called you know, the stage of, of discovering our differences. And you might be disillusioned, and you might be caught off guard, and you might have to discover that you need to make some adjustments, and, and, and so that, that's the stage where you're going to do some work, and you're, you're, you're jostling, and you're dancing, and, and that could be two years, that could be seven years, it could be, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a process, right? Now, when you are willing to do that, and you get to the, the, you get to the other side, which is like giving birth to the we. The real giving birth to the we is what I call discovering that you are complementing each other, you are complementary. Mm -hmm. that, that you're discovering your own way and your own role in this relationship. And this is when it becomes really satisfying because you, you, you work through your differences. Now you're honoring the differences. Now you're saying, I don't expect you to change to make me happy. I'm happy who you are, and now I want to celebrate it. And, and you're not expecting me to change for you to be happy. You're celebrating who I am. Sometimes it takes a while. You know, it, as I say, it could be two years, it could be seven years, it could be six months, it could be whatever. There's no rules, but there's stages, right? When we get to that wonderful stage of you know, complimentary honoring. Now you're really cooking. Now you're able to appreciate the uniqueness that you've co-created 
by creating this this extra entity called the you. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's it's a beautiful thing. And it's another form of oneness, but it's evolved, and it's evolving, right? So the three the three tips would be to acknowledge that you're going through, you're going to have these stages and to bless them because each one has its gifts. And to recognize that we're multi-dimensional and we're designed to grow with the relationship, through the relationship, because of the relationship. Now, but I really want to talk about your book, but I have one more question before we get So, a lot of people find themselves a little later in life, resetting, and now maybe they've been married a long time, or they're widowed, or a serious breakup, whatever it is, and now you're back out there. It's scary territory. Yes, it know? is. Yes, there, it is. You know, there's these dating apps now that weren't available then, and, you know, um, what is your advice to that? I mean, that's murky water for a lot of people, and some people get to the point where I'm better off alone than with someone, but that's a sad way to be, yeah. you know? One of my great pleasures in the work I have been doing for over 30 years is officiating at weddings. Mm. It's part of what I do. And many of the weddings I officiate at are couples who met online. Wow. They could be in their 20s, they could be in their 80s. I'm 75, I'm still online, I'm on three different sites right now. I've learned to navigate them. I've learned how to sort through the wheat from the chaff, as it were. I've learned to see, you know, very quickly who the phonies are. I smell it, I sense it. I have a sense of humor about it. I lighten up. It's an adventure, for God's sake. You know, I'm learning about me, I'm learning about life, I'm learning about, you know, all these people out there. And I very quickly have learned to ascertain which ones are worth more time than not. And I just, you know, cut through, right? So right now, I'm seeing three different people at three different stages of the dating process. By the way, I think circular dating is a really good thing to be dating initially a few people simultaneously so you can experience yourself with each one not at you know a great distance right. of time but kind of within the same period of time so you can contrast. really you you can see the contrast right because you understand i can experience myself with this person in a different way than i experienced myself with that person and i'm still me but that person because everyone's a mirror this one is giving me something uh, that I am enjoying much more than what I'm enjoying. With this one over here, I'm feeling very lonely. With this one over here, I'm feeling very included. Well, that's information. Mm -hmm. It's really important, right? It doesn't, doesn't make anyone bad. doesn't make anyone great. It just makes us all different, and the combinations are different, and the nature of the connection is different, right? So the quality of connection is what I'm always looking for. And sometimes people are slow cookers, so it takes a while to warm up to that connection, so I give it time. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, you know, some people will say, well, there's not a click after one or two days, so, you know, let's, let's go on to the next one. I, I wouldn't subscribe to that. I, you know, one of my best friends was looking and, and dedicated to finding a partner. She dated over 47 men. Oh my she, goodness. And she, she lived with three of them. 
And she finally met the one, I, I, I officiated their wedding. She finally met the one that she married, but at first she wasn't interested. And I said, give it time. I looked at his profile, he seemed like a quality guy. I said, he looks like a slow cooker. Give it time. Yeah, give it three or four or five days, right? See how it goes, right? Be patient. Get to know him. Let him get to know you. He's not your ex-husband. Don't don't expect him to have the same sense of humor. Get, quit comparing him with all the other people. Because right. it was different, right? Yes. Sure enough, she took her time. He was a slow cooker. He's an introvert. She's an extrovert. Took a while. He grew on her. And they, they've been married now 10 years. Mm. Wow. How long did she live with the three people? A few months. Oh, OK. Sometimes it takes living with someone before you know, no. is this going to yeah. work? Yeah. Sure, you, you don't know, know somebody until you live you, you need to wake up with them every day and kind of get the rhythm and, you know, so she she was courageous. Mm. She's very she courageous. Was, she was determined. Yes. She was courageous. And she she came out with a, a real winner. Because she went through 47 different Holy mackerel. Brings yeah. a whole new uh, definition to it, doesn't it? Kissing frogs. That's kissing right. a lot That's of frogs. I've lost count for me. I've, I've dated more than 100. Since really? you're a widow. Since you're a widow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, before I was married? Do you believe in soulmates? Do you feel like your husband was your soulmate and that's why it's so hard to find? I believe in soulmates, but I also believe there are several different kinds of soulmates. And I believe that in our life we have many soulmates. I do believe that some of the people who come into our lives that trigger us and challenge us are probably our most important soulmates. It may not mean that we live with them, but they've come into our lives to help us grow. And that was a, a sweet lover that I had for almost a decade, oh. a, a former soulmate. He came into my life, I came into his, we assisted each other in our growth. My husband was my soulmate, but not the only one, but a very important soulmate. Because our life together was on every level. It was emotional, it was spiritual, it was physical, it was intellectual. It was everything. And he came into my life like he was downloaded from the universe. The chances of my meeting him were one in millions. Wow. And there he was. That's so beautiful. He saw me from across a crowded room, literally. And he said to my roommate, he didn't know who I was or anything. He said to my roommate when he saw me, you see that woman over there? I'm going to marry her someday. And she said, you're crazy. That's my roommate. She's coming to, to meet us. He said, oh, well, that'll make it easier. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I wanted nothing to do with it. Yeah. Right. And you played really hard to I get. I played very hard to get. It took him two weeks to break me down to be willing to even say hello. That's wow. amazing. Wow. So let's talk about Big Love, this book. Okay, so Big Love. I love the name. Thank yeah. you. I love the name. Big Love, just think about it for a moment. Big Love is that part of all of us that is so big we don't know what to call it, right? But I, I, I like to say, love is all there is. Loving is living and everything else is a distraction. Mm -hmm. So big love is who each of us really is without allowing fear to stop us. We're going to have fear. That's the, that's, that's the human condition. We're going to have fear. We're going to, 
you know, feel the fear and trembling of, of something that's new and not want to go outside of our comfort zone and not want to take a chance, not, not want to be vulnerable, right? Well, that's human nature. So it's not, it's, not willing, it's not living without fear. It's living in the face of fear and not allowing the fear to stop you from being who you naturally are. It's having the faith and having the trust that who you are is so big that your fear can't stop you. That who Love you're that. here to be is so magnificent. You're here on purpose. You're here in this body, at this time in life, to bring gifts to the world through who you are. And if you stop yourself, you allow fear to stop you, you're cheating yourself and the world from being who you're here to be. Yes. So big love is who we all are naturally. We're born with big love. We're born to love. We're born to be generous. We're born to be giving. We're born to be creative. That loving energy that we all are is creative energy. We're all creatives. Mm -hmm. And we have no idea what we're really capable of. So have zero expectation of yourself and an infinite uh, imagination and intention for you to be the most you can be, right? So at, at the age of 75, what in the world can I accomplish at this stage of my life? I don't know. Isn't that wonderful? Wow. I, I don't know. That. I don't know. Wow. How long am I going to live? I don't know, another five seconds, another 50 years? I don't know. What are the possibilities? I don't know, isn't that what makes life interesting? <laughs> yes. <laughs> right? I, I love it because you're, you're so courageous to even explore this. That you're doing a series at 75. Right. And I mean, that is what people should know, like life is all about living. Doesn't matter how old you are, if you're 20, or 70 or 80 right. or 90, you you can always be creative in reinventing yourself. There is no expiration date on love. There's no expiration date on our sensuality. There's no expiration date on romance. There's no expiration date on our creativity. And there's and none on resetting either. And there's none on resetting, that's yes. right. So, you know, next time we talk, I might be on career number nine. I you can be an astronaut. <laughs> She might say, I would love to do this interview, but I'm going to be in space. <laughs> Working on my fifth book. <laughs> mm, this is amazing. Anything you would like to leave and share with our audience before we go? We can talk to you all. How do they get in touch with you? Yes. How, how can they find you? Uh, call me. 845-542-6057. Go to my website, SheilaPearl.com. That's it. It's easy. Oh, you can find me on Facebook. And let's spell Sheila. S-H-E-I-L-A, Pearl, P-E-A-R-L, just the way it sounds. Just think of pearls of wisdom, that's me. Yes. You're the love doctor. <laughs> and Jackie, with that, the love doctor has spoken. She has spoken. She has spoken. She, she drops some knowledge on Yes. Us. Yes, she does. Powerful. You are amazing. Thank yeah. you, guys. Thank you for being here. It's such a pleasure being. to be Thank with you. both of you. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Pleasure to be Should here. Should we change it to love the problem away? Yes.
Yes. Oh, One of the things I say in oh, reset is love you can love any problem away. So I, I say love the problem away. <laughs> yeah. Love the problem away. Yeah. Yes. Beautiful. Yes. Thank you guys. Thank, thank you. you. And thank you for watching. Reset because, because you deserve it. it.